This, 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 this is mythical. Earbiscus is supported by DoorDash. I'm keeping less alcoholic beverages in my house um, lately. I'm kind of on that swing of the pendulum. Okay. But I will say, there's times when when you wanna crack open an adult beverage. Yes, it happens. Sometimes amongst friends, sometimes alone. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't I, wanna get into the details. I recommend with friends. If you're looking to celebrate with some special drinks, Here's to alcohol deliveries with DoorDash. Whether you're hosting, sending a congratulatory gift, or just staying in to chill with a cold one, DoorDash is an easy call. The alcohol selection on DoorDash is top shelf. With thousands of stores all over the country, you're sure to find what you're looking for and more. They have it all, beer, wine, mixers, and for those that don't drink, mocktails and more can be delivered straight to your door. Save up to 25% off up to a $15 value when you spend $35 or more with code Ear. So whether you're grabbing drinks for an event or staying in for the night, DoorDash is here to help you have a great evening, any evening. Terms apply, must be 21 or older to order alcohol, drink responsibly, delivery and promotions available only in select markets. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, the podcast where two lifelong friends talk about life for a long time. I'm Rhett. And I'm Link. This week at the round table of dim lighting, we're ringing in the new year, happy. 2021. It's we're we're not recording this in 2021. I'm just you know. Just well, we can still full ce- transparency. We, we can still celebrate it. I still believe that it's a happy 2021. Yeah, we're gonna make it to 2021. And for you, listener, you're certainly in 2021 or later. It could be it could be years later. Like an archive. People are going to yeah. It's it's, it's nice that, to know that this is. As permanent as are you saying? You think this is going to be at the Smithsonian? No, that's a little. I was not pompous of you. Yeah, I agree because that's what what I was saying. What does that even really mean anymore, though? To be at the Smithsonian, and that's what we're tackling today. (laughs) New year. What does that new issues to be at the Smithsonian? Cares about the Smithsonian Museum. I like the Smithsonian. Shout out to everybody, all of the mythical beasts who work at the Smithsonian, or the National Archive, and all that type of stuff. Yeah, right. Um, but today, we, we gotta tell you about our expedition with our boys. Yeah, the camping we trip. Death Valley. I, uh, as you might have remembered, uh, <laughs> in my top 10 moments of the year, this was one of my top, I don't remember what number it was, but it was up there, it was in the top 10. My favorite things that happened was our trip that we took with the boys, me and my boys. Four. Uh, maybe me and my boys, Lock and Shepard, you and your boys. What are their names? Lincoln and Lando. I think their names are Lincoln and Lando. And uh, to Death Valley. And so we said we would not talk about it at all on that podcast because a number of stories were generated during <laughs> our short trip that we will now share. I'm so glad that we did it. You know, I, I gotta say it was my idea. I don't know if that's true, but I'm gonna say it. It was my idea. It's like, let's take the boys on a camping trip. I, I don't recall, so I'll give you credit. I was I was definitely looking for another opportunity to rent a Sprinter van and dabble once again in that hashtag van life. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's that's been on my mind a lot. And, you know, Christy and I went, highlight of 2020. Um, but yeah, I, w- I, wanted to, I wanted to give it like a kid mode test. And, and I'd only use my, you know, my, do I call it my rig? Is that what you would call sure. my FJ Cruiser? Mm-hmm. Uh, my FJ Cruiser, which I recently invested, you know, 
and some work being done on it. I got the rooftop tent. That was all for my solo trip. But the thing that I learned on my solo trip is that uh, I needed a more efficient way to store things, especially if I was gonna take any other beings with me uh, on a camping trip. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you noticed how proud I was of my drawer. I did notice how proud you were of your drawer. Yeah, I got a drawer and you might think, what do you mean you got a drawer? I got a drawer, like a metal drawer that in, you know, if you if you're in if you look at an SUV, the back of an SUV, you've got the part behind the back seats. What would you call that? The the boot is what uh Christy and her family call it. But I always called the boot the thing where your boots would go, like where your feet go in the front of the car. But I think I'm wrong actually. That doesn't make any the, sense. The, they call a trunk a boot. Well, it's not I mean, it's not a trunk because it's just, you know, no. the back of an SUV. The back end. There's a drawer that has been made, a metal drawer to fit the entire thing. To fit the, and so basically it raises the level of the floor up so you still have all that space, but then there's like a foot deep drawer that covers that whole thing. And uh, it's not, a, not cheap. It's not cheap. Are you prepared to say how much you paid for one drawer to go in the back of your truck? Uh, no, <laughs> I'm not. It's, an, it's a very expensive drawer. <laughs> But you, but it's less less than one thousand dollars. Okay. Oh, oh. Okay. Okay. So it's I not. actually thought it was more than a thousand dollars. So, and by the way, I'm uh, sniffing because of uh, allergy. I've, I've waited too long to take my pill today. It's just you know. I waited too long to take my pill today. <laughs> I hate when I bring allergies to uh, ear biscuits, but every once in a while I do. So anyway, um, if it makes your eyes water, it can look like you're getting emotional. This drawer really is with it. I was excited about time with my sons, <laughs> but I was most excited about the drawer. But like pulling it out? Over and over again. Then pushing it, it back out. in? Yeah, so smooth. But it's funny how just one drawer properly spaced can change everything. I mean, I could really have taken. Though? Really? You didn't see how inefficiently I had packed everything on my solo trip yeah, because I you, didn't have to worry about it. Because you gotta much. unpack the stuff to get to the stuff behind the stuff and then you have to repack it to move and I mean, is your is your drawer like even right now at this moment still full of stuff? So like I could go camping. You could tonight. bug out. You have a bug out vehicle now. I have everything except food. Okay, food and water, but like equipment and like uh, each store is stored there permanently. Lights and pl ways to start fire and tools and all that stuff. All That's the camping cool. stuff, the cooking stuff, it's all in there. See if I owned a van, you'd be ready to go. I'd be. I'd have one of those too, and I'd also have a shower, a toilet a sink, a burner, and a bed inside of a vehicle. But would you have a drawer? But I, I'd i have a lot of drawers. <laughs> but not, not, no drawers as no, big as my drawer. No big ass, a lot of little drawers. metal drawer, no. I don't think a lot of little drawers can add up to one big drawer. Okay, well, okay. I don't know how drawer math works, but no, the van was incredible. I will say, I was envious of the van. Was, I rented a different it van. It was very big. From a different uh, set of people. It's very and tall, like t too tall for a drive-through. Yeah. Like you can't get drive-through food in this van. Could you stand up inside of the van? Do you know? I, I really didn't invite you in. Do you know the only time I got into your van the entire time? There's one specific time. Do you remember this? Uh, when you did number two in my van? No, I did not. I was not one of the people who did number two. You could two tell in your that van. I wasn't really chomping at the bit for you to do number two in my van. I didn't do number two in your van. The one time I got in your van was when it was on the way 
to Death Valley when we stopped at that gas station in the middle of nowhere. Basically, it's like a, it's like a, uh, um, it's the only, it's one of the only things on 395, like you're going up towards Mammoth, and it was that gas station that had the Subway, and we ended up eating at Subway, and it was the first time we had eaten at Subway in a while. Yeah. And we were sitting there in the parking lot eating, Shout out to the mythical beast who worked at that oh, subway. Yeah, yeah. And then he came outside and got a picture with us. Yeah, he did. Um, we didn't take our masks off. No, we didn't. And uh, that'd be a good example. A woman came up and started asking questions about your van. And she was like, That's right. Well, can you stand up in there? And I was like, Well, let me see. Oh, that's the. You, you literally never went in there. Never, other than <laughs> I that one feel moment. feel bad. That like you never went in the van. I didn't have a need to. He didn't have a need to. I mean, it's while it's very big, in some senses, it's still. It's smart. really like well, there's the bed in the back, taking up most of the room, and then there's the bathroom and the sink, and then there's seats. And I wasn't riding in it. I was driving my own car, so I didn't feel left out. And to answer your question, as a six foot seven man with shoes on, mm-hmm. meaning a man who was six foot seven with shoes on, because I'm like six six and a half. Oh. I could not stand up exactly straight in your van. I had to hunch a little bit, which is not a problem for me. I'm used to it. A lifetime of hunching has made me used to it. So I think it's probably I think it's probably six foot five, six foot six clearance. This is a different van than the one I got before, but it's basically the same model. It was one year newer. It's a 2021 Mercedes. Model. Yeah, for real. It's like fresh off the lot kind of a thing. I they may you know the the couple gave me like a thorough tour, but I was like, I've already, you know, I've already done this. I've been to Utah. Well, because like, you rented it from an individual, yeah, a couple, rented, like it's yeah, a private person. Private people put their vans on. Uh, there's a website called Outdoorsy. Yeah, uh, there's probably others too. But anyway, they, they gave me the tour, and um, I yeah, I got the impression that they had they probably had rented out just a couple of times. It was it was very new and very fresh, kind of for them. Yeah, it was a very nice van. Uh, yeah, very very detailed tour. A little little a little too detailed. I mean, a forty five minute tour of a van. But I I get it. You got van. this like really expensive van. You're letting some stranger use it. I mean, you're charging them, and they got insurance and all this stuff that you, that that you have to get for it and stuff. But still, it might be a little nerve wracking to to rent out your your Mercedes baby. But anyway, we went to Death Valley because at that time of year, I mean, it's the it's the, it was, let's see, it was the hottest, it broke the record for the hottest place where? Not on Earth. Uh, on Earth? Uh, it may be the hottest place on Earth this year. It was 131, de- or maybe 134 degrees, I don't know. Fahrenheit. A, yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it, you know, when we went. Um, Mid-70s during the, the day. The weekend before Thanksgiving, yeah, it was like. Perfect weather. It's a perfect time to be there, and. Um, Let's see. So what's what's the what's the first story? We drive in, and we're you know we're taking some good photos, taking some group photos. I got one photo that of of the boys, and it looks like a a band photo. You know, none of them are looking at the camera, and they're all equally spaced. We got we've got some pretty. really really good photos that we that we'll we'll give to Kiko uh, for the video version because of this. there's like some uh, that's right there's a video version of this yeah. on YouTube if you happen to be listening um, and. Uh, Really great photos. I took some three, uh, 360 photos. At least I haven't the, seen those yet. Well, I think I took it of. I think I took it of the 
first night's campsite and I did not take any more, which you will learn why I didn't take any of the second and third night's campsites. And I got some drone footage. Oh, snap. I got some drone footage of you driving through that canyon, through Titus Canyon. Oh, is it nice? Haven't looked at it yet. Okay. I'm sure it's nice, nice enough. I mean, we get there, it's like the, this time of year and especially in that valley, the, the, the sun sets quick, it's like 4.30 and all of a, the sun goes over the, 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 the mountain ridge and it, and it gets really dark really quick. Yeah. But we had kind of beat the sunset to get to the first thing we wanted to see which was um, uh, some sand dunes in the middle, it's just like, uh, sand dunes. I don't know how else to describe it. There's some real. There's like a really tall sand dune at the northern end, but we're like right in the middle, coming in through uh, stovepipe wells or yeah. And um, these are the sand dunes that are easy to get to, and it shows there was a lot of people on these sand dunes. So it's like you're in the middle of the desert in the, in this v- giant valley, and we're talking sand dunes that are 150, 200 feet high. Maybe some of the some of the mm-hmm. some of the biggest ones. And there's definitely just, bigger in other places. It just like gets, some, you can go Eureka, to other places. The Eureka dunes are like 700 feet tall is what I've heard. Crazy. Can you imagine that? Because these are giant. And it really is that kind of thing that I've only seen in movies where you know, somebody will be in the Sahara and it's just like they're walking up the ridge of one of those giant sand dunes like through the desert. Yeah. Well there's that, that exists here and like you and know. the boys loved it. That was a really good call to like go yeah. there first because we were walking out on these sand dunes and like it's 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 really exhausting walking up these sand dunes. But like everybody had a ball and you know you really don't know how 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 happy they're going. You know it's I I feel like it was my mission for my for my kids to have a good experience. You know it's like I'm I'm building a case for van life or at least being an outdoorsy person. And I will say that uh, both of our teenagers expressed some teenageness about going before the trip. Before the trip, they, you know. Thinking that I am going to the desert, I, I don't really understand why you want me to do this. And is it really gonna be fun? But you know what, to their credit, they brought positive attitudes. They had a great attitude right And then the when we got on those dunes, it's like, before we know it, Shepard, we get to the highest dune that we realistically could 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 walk to and walk up, which is one of the highest ones in in that set of dunes. And before I know it, I look over there and Shepard is like halfway down the dune doing like a log roll and just like plumes of dust just like yeah. coming up. I knew this was gonna happen because I know Shepard. What I didn't know was that it would inspire Lando to ultimately try the same thing. Cause you know, that's not really, He's not a roll down first, figure out if it was if it's a good idea second kind of a person, right? Uh, and I guess he he observed Shepard and, um, but you know it war it warms your heart as a dad seeing your kids barrel rolling and all four of them were doing it down this um, sandy slopes, but not the the dads, not the dads, not the two no, dads. I'm I'm thinking about my shoulders. This this. This broad-shouldered man could just like crumple up in an instant. I just took photos and videos. I was a cinematographer. I did not. I was not a roller. It was a cool start, and then, you know, once we were like alarmed with how quickly it was getting really dark, we we found the the first place that was that felt it felt like it it could be 
like an almost off-road, um, you, you need kind of a high clearance vehicle to get to a place where it, it would feel isolated and we could find a campsite. Not a, actually not a campsite, but just a spot. Once you get out. Dispersed off, camping. Dispersed camping, once you get out like a mile off the main roads, you're allowed to camp anywhere, anywhere you want in designated swaths of land. And I mean, it's, it's, there's a beauty to the desert that you, that you, it's a, there's a mindset to kind of appreciating it, but as we were driving out there and I had the youngest boys in the van with me and I'm just like, this is what this van was made to do, boys. We're like kind of rollicking over some rocks and like go, going through these, um, these washes with like sheer walls on either side. I mean, there were some slot canyons. Yeah, and we, and we were going through that and uh, I was like, this is, when I think about what I wanted this trip to be, this this is it. Like we're, De- we're, hey, listen, we're gonna find a good spot. Death Valley, which now me and you have been to three times. Uh, Death Valley has it all. I you know it is a it is an incredible. Well, it doesn't have trees. It doesn't have water. It doesn't have shade. It, it has everything that you would <laughs> expect in Death Valley. But just so you understand, if you've never been to Death Valley National Park, if you are just picturing a giant empty desert, well yes, that is part of it. But along the sides of the desert, there are so many different geological formations and canyons and just really like the kids were immediately into how cool the geography was, right? When when you're driving through this canyon, yeah. I mean it definitely, it feels like Something off of a off of a movie set, like you're on a you're on a foreign world. And if you just have a regular old car, a sedan or whatever, you can experience a lot of this. But if you really want to get away from the sort of touristy spots, you kind of need a vehicle that can get there. Now we had been a couple of times before, and actually we chronicled at least one of those trips with our friend Nick and the other people that he does overlanding with and off roading with. That's when we took the uh, took the showers naked in the. Uh, Hot springs. Hot springs. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, you know we've done like the the extreme technical off roading thing in the FJ. You and I both in that. Yeah. So it's like w- with you know with the van and the kids and and not a lot of confidence to be able to fix a problem in isolated locations like any mechanical or technical issues. Like I didn't. I don't even like to think about something going wrong because. I just want to like be in a place where if something goes wrong, I can just say, "I, it's not up to us." Yeah. So that you know, we didn't, and, and, and the van, the van and the rental agreement would certainly not allow to to do. And what And you want to minimize you. You're managing the expectations of children and teenagers, and they don't like to just stay. You in don't want to be in the car. They want to get out and do stuff. But I will say, just because you don't like to think about something going really wrong doesn't mean it won't because it did. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So that first night, um, 
You know, the, the older boys had to camp in a tent and then me and Lando were gonna sleep in the van and then you and Shepard are gonna sleep on top of the FJ in that in that it, fancy rooftop tent. And you might ask yourself, well, why'd you make the older boys sleep in a tent? Well, technically, the rooftop tent that I got is a three-man tent, but if you are a um, experienced camper, you know that three-person means two-person. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? it a a three-person tent is comfortable for two Don't people. Don't fall for it. And when one of the persons is as big as my person, even if the other person is as small as Shepard's person, it's still, I mean, Shepard and I were basically right next to each other. Could not have comfortably gotten another being in there with us anyway. And you, I mean, you technically could have gotten somebody into the van, but it not, would have required moving a bunch of stuff out. Yeah, it would be underneath the bed and like a bunk bed situation. And we also thought this was a good opportunity for our teenage sons to like learn how to like set a freaking tent up and break it down. You know what, they did it. They did. They, they were, you know, I, I, I gotta give them credit, man. I mean, just positive attitudes and it just, if it was just me and my kids, it would have been a lot more challenging. Yeah. And I have to think the same the other way, right? So it was nice yeah. that they had had compadres. You're less likely to say and do embarrassing things and lose your cool both ways, both the kids and the parents when you are commingled. The thing that I learned the first night, it hit me like a ton of bricks and we talked about it, is that my previous camping experience with Christy, the first time we had ever gone on a camping excursion, there's the two of us, and of course you were alone. Yeah. Both of those, which are different than each other, are still starkly different than going camping with multiple children because well, you know, the amount of time devoted to getting everything right that includes getting everything right for them, I mean, it's like we barely had time to sit down. I mean, we were scrambling to make dinner and like, you know, you got me over here cooking burgers while you're cooking mac and cheese and and other stuff on your setup. And cooking is a is uh, a yeah. a, uh, a relative term. Yeah, I kind of I kind of got steaks and burgers confused, and I I got in my mind that like I know that if I overcook the burgers, it, it's kind of like a steak. If you overcook the steak, they're going to complain. You don't want it well done. And but that, you do want ground beef, want gra yeah. Unless it's been pasteurized. It was kind of dark, but everyone did seem to notice that the burgers weren't cooked all there, the way. It was through. more of seared tartare. Oh gosh, which yeah. I didn't mind. I, cu I couldn't finish it. And Lando I, was and, was horrified. Yeah, and uh, so I was like, okay, I'm not. A, but you know what? I'll, I'll play to my strengths. And when we were done eating, I said, you know, uh, I I'll focus on doing some dishes and cleaning up, and like I'm 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 back in my in my zone, you know, in the cleaning zone. There was while, a lot of cleaning going on. While the older boy, you were cleaning too. The older boys said, you know what, we're gonna, of course it's been dark for hours after we were done eating. And the older boys said, we're gonna, we're just gonna go off and like explore. I thought that was a good idea, you know? So, so Locke and Lincoln went off, they just walked down the way that we came. And if, there is nothing, no one, no other civilization or no other sign of human activity within sight. Really activity of any, any of kind. Of any kind. Just maybe, there are some plants. Um, Not many, but some. And uh, so, so they walk off and then I'm, I'm doing the dishes and I'm trying to remember what happened. If you told me, yeah, I think. Well, I knew as soon as they left what my plan was. Uh, so I come out from finishing the dishes and the younger boys are sitting by the fire and of course they've got screens out. And I'm like, boys, put your screens away. 
And I was like, I'm gonna hang out with you guys because you said. I'm gonna go scare Locke and Lincoln. And. Uh, I'm gonna carry you know, on the McLaughlin tradition of you know, trying to give your fellow campers a heart attack. Shepard and uh, Lando's eyes got as big as saucers and you walked off into the darkness. And then I'm left, uh, maybe I'll tell my perspective of the story and then you can tell yours. Uh, so I'm sitting there at the campfire um, talking to Shepard and Lando and I'm like, I ended up talking about I don't know how we got on it, but I started talking to them about, I think it's cause you're out camping and you're like, there's a level of, like a spirit of independence to camping. And when I started talking about, you know, our friend Ben and and his, you know, his adventurous spirit and the things that he would do in the woods and out in nature and how he fostered, the stuff that we've shared with you, uh, you know, um, last year on the podcast, just, it, I was just kinda telling them stories of his, his all the things that he would do and and then inspire us to do out in the woods and on canoes and how his you know how his parents when they were not much older than him would take him in his canoe and drive to Lillington and just drop him off not much older than Art, Art Shepherd and Lando at the time yeah you said not much older than him like his parents weren't that much older than him no <laughs> not, I said not much older than them yeah, yeah. Uh, Lando Shepherd so I was like can you imagine me and mom driving you guys with a canoe like to the next town over and then you're just gonna canoe down the river and then you know half a day half the day later we're gonna pick you back up and they're like they're like super into it and I'm like yeah that's this is what camping's all about you got a fire you got these kids who are just like expanding their their horizons and forgetting about their screens and then all of a sudden I just heard this blood curdling scream and kerfuffle in the way distance. And I'm like, Shepard, that's your dad. I think he found the older boys. And then we just waited for you to come back and hear the story of what had happened. Well, I think I've talked about this before. I mean, I have a thing for scaring people. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> and i uh, done it all my life and it's a family tradition. My dad did it to me. Um, and so as soon as they left and they had their headlamps on, Right, and so, and, and there's basically, we're kind of in this wash, so it's essentially sort of like a shallow canyon, uh, and there's only so many places, they can go this way or they can go that way. They can't, there's not that many places they can go, and you can see where they're at because it's so dark, and so I could see that they were a long distance away because I could see their lights because it's so so flat. And um, there was a little bit of moonlight, there was enough moonlight for me to walk out there without a light. And my eyes were kind of adjusted to the desert so I could kind of see where I was going without being in too much danger. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna walk down towards them. And then oh, I could see them in the distance. Oh, they've turned back around and now they're walking back towards the campsite. But they're still many, many hundreds of yards away from the campsite. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, um, all right, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna kind of get on the side of this path behind this bush and wait for them to come by and scare the crap out of them. <laughs> but then I was like, man, this the desert plants are so like sparse and small and, I, and I'm like, if they're shining their headlamp and they see me behind this very sparse like cactus bush kind of thing, the whole thing is ruined. So I was like, I'm gonna move further off of the road, get down on my belly behind this little like embankment 
and let them pass and then come up behind them. Because not only is that, you know, they can't see me, but it will scare them so much to have something come from behind the, uh, them. The unknown. The unknown that they've just been in versus the campsite. They, oh, it makes sense that somebody that we know might be on that side. Mm -hmm. So they come, they walk in, they walk, they walk by me and then. Didn't you hear Locke say something? Well, here's the deal. I had to stand up and start kind of walking towards the road and as I stood up. After like, they passed? After they passed. As I stood up and started taking a couple of steps, they sort of heard something and and then like later we find out, Locke was like, Lincoln, did you hear something? And he was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway. And Locke's like, so Locke is paranoid. Locke, Locke was Locke already is, scared. He'd been scared the whole time. Locke is, a, he's kind of skittish in general. Yeah, he, he's scared. He's, he's, like, he's, he's like scared me. of the dark. And so. He's looking over his shoulder, not seeing anything. I, I, and then like, I stop, and but then I, then I get, I walk out into the middle of this, basically this dirt road that they're walking down, and then I start taking more and more steps, and then right before I really start running, where they're gonna know, I, I probably get, you know, ten feet behind them, and I was like, I'm gonna let out the lowest, most guttural sound that I can make that will sound as unhuman as possible, and I was just like. like uh, okay. And um, Locke screamed. I don't think Lincoln screamed. I didn't hear him scream. I heard Locke scream, but then. When they tell the story, what do they say that they each thought? Uh, Locke thought it might be Bigfoot, <laughs> which, is what I, which is what I was hoping. <laughs> and Lincoln said that his brain was saying, he was super scared, but he was thinking, if that's not Rhett, I don't know what we're gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, oh, so, you know, he he kind of had he was in he was he's more of a strategic thinker than me. You know, he knows how to play chess. Right. <laughs> um, yes, I was encouraged that like he didn't he didn't lose his cool completely, but I know he was scared because you know when they tell the story when they came back up and the three of you walked back like. They just had this like sweaty, exasperated, wide-eyed, like like heart rate still pumping kind of vibe, and I could tell that Lincoln was legitimately scared, along with Locke, which was Listen, obvious. It's, it, it's scary. I mean, it's not as scary as it was when I was out there by myself. Like I told you on the on the uh, solo trip, like, but being out there when there's just no point of reference for there's no other people. You just feel exposed and you don't know what mysteries lie in the dark. I think one of my favorite things was what happened next in that, you know, you came back and you told this, that story, like all three of you told the story from your perspectives and then we went on like all of us sitting around the fire. Uh, you and I started telling stories, kind of building on what I was doing with the stories I was already telling them. Just telling the story about how we would go camping across the Cape Fear River and the one time that you um, invested like over an hour of disappearing from me and the rest of the friends that we brought camping and like fully committing to like long-term letting, scaring the crap out of us by like laying in the water like, like um, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Only and, my eyes and nose were above the surface. Like, for, a, like a gator. 
<laughs> and, and for a long time, you know, telling them that story, it was they were, you know, it was just cool to see our boys so into us telling the stories. And I think we ended up telling a few stories that we had written about in the Book of Mythicality. And it, I just realized, you know what, you can't just. You can't just write stories in a book and expect your kids to read them. There were, the, these stories were still new to them. They were, yeah, like because, the story of my brothers, uh, which in the Book of Mythicality, it's like a comic strip, so I don't know how well it's conveyed, but it's the story of my brother in his middle school science fair project, which he called Birds, <laughs> which uh, did not have a hypothesis uh, or uh, you know, any sort of experiment. It just had a bunch screen. of dismembered birds. It was just, well, I think it was with one bird that he had shot uh, and then taken apart and put on his poster board. Um, and uh, to just show you the body parts of the birds. It definitely seems like the kind of thing a serial killer would do as a middle school <laughs> science fair project, but my brother is not a serial killer. Um, and they all knew a, him. It was a different time. Even my kids know Cole, so it's like yeah. they got a kick out of that story. Well, so all they, of they got stories. a kick out of Lando in particular. Oh, yeah. That was the conversation in which I saw Lando kind of check out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's younger. He's he's such a sensitive soul, and uh, he, he turns out he loves birds. <laughs> so you know, it's when you're. When you're adjusting to camping, there were a number of moments when I kind of had to pull him to the side and say, "Hey, we're still having a good time." And <laughs> he, you know, he really he he had a number of moments where he bounced back. He did and well. He was good, and it was it was helpful that like we had the security of the van where like we could we could um, get snuggled in our blanket and kind of feel more secure. Yeah. Uh, but the so the next morning uh, we had a drive out of you know, out of the campsite back to the to main area to go and explore and find our next campsite. And Locke, um, you know, is a, a lot of the kids these days and kids in California, I think especially, are on a slightly different schedule when it comes to getting their driver's permit and like license. I mean, me and oh, you yeah. were like, as soon as we turned 15, we got our driver's permit. As soon as we turned 16, that day I got my license, you know. Things move a little bit slower, and, ob and obviously the pandemic has had an effect on this. So Locke basically just got his his driver's permit um, right before we left, and he's not really driven a car. We, we haven't really done the thing where you just like let your kid drive when they're fourteen, like oh I'll let you drive around the neighborhood or something like that. We just haven't done that. Don't really have that kind of neighborhood. So he just got his permit. So I'm like, this is the perfect opportunity for him to drive. You're in the desert, you're on a dirt road. Uh, there's Hell, not any other traffic. I mean, in the vlog where we went off-roading with Jeopardy, we, we, we let, you let him drive. Right, but, but I, was was in in your lap. I was in the driver's seat still. This is for real. This is yeah. giving but, them 100% control but of But yeah, the we're out there in the middle of nowhere and it's just like dirt roads leading back up to the main road. In fact, you told me you were gonna do that and I'm like, well, I'm gonna go ahead far enough so that he won't be driving in my dust. So I go far ahead and I do not witness anything that is about to happen. Ear Biscuits is supported by the farmer's dog. Dogs will eat basically anything you put in front of them. And if you're Barbara, you will like <laughs> seek it out off of tables, counters. That, that woman is crazy, <laughs> uh, that woman being my dog. Uh, so it's important to be putting the right kind of food in their bowls. Right, and when you care about your dogs as much as we care about ours, you know, a thoughtful approach to what goes in those bowls 
Makes sense. Yes, the farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. Just tell them about your dog and they'll deliver personalized vet developed recipes for as little as $2 a day. The meals arrive pre-portioned and in ready to serve packs delivered on your schedule. Millions of meals have been ordered across the country. We've been partnering with the Farmer's Dog for a few years now and they really are as good as they say. It really has never been easier to invest in your dog's health with fresh food. Get 50% off your first box of fresh healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash ear. Okay, so this is a single lane dirt road that has, you know, they kind of come through there on a regular basis with some sort of scraper m- scraper that pushes the dirt to the side, almost like snow banks, right? So there's, no, sh- there's no shoulder. That they're you can... dirt banks. Yeah. And there's big rocks in these dirt banks. And you know, one of the things that happens when you start driving is you don't know where your car is at on the road. Mm-hmm. You don't, you're on the left side and you kind of feel like you're in the middle, but no, you have a whole piece of car to your right that, so a lot of new drivers will hang it out to the right a little too much. I remember doing it as a new driver and Locke was doing that almost immediately, right? So there's some like big rocks in this embankment. I'm like, Locke, you're too far to the right. You're too far to the right, come back to the left. He's like, I don't think I am. I'm like, listen. Mm-hmm. And I actually said something like, all right, the only way that this is going to work is if you assume that when we are in the car together and we have a different view of driving, I will always be right, okay? (laughs) During this stage of the relationship, that doesn't mean forever, but while you're the pupil and I'm the teacher, the only way we can do this is just assume that I and my driving experience know what I'm talking about, right? And and, And he actually was like, okay, that makes sense. So I was like, and here's how you can kind of tell where you're at on the road. Anyway, so we're going along. He's doing great. He's doing fine. You know, I'm having to correct him a little bit and kind of get him to move to the center, but I'm trying to be calm. And then all of a sudden, I see another vehicle coming towards us. Because again, this is a single lane. We're gonna have to sort of move to the side to let each other pass. I see that the uh, the guy has stopped to let and move to the side to let us go. He's in like a Subaru of some kind. We know not really super off road, but like enough to be out on this dirt road. Okay. But Locke has seen the car and he has come to a stop. So that guy thinks that he's saying that we he should go. Yeah. But by the by the time I say, oh, he's letting you go, Locke starts to go, and so does the other guy. It's like what you would typically do on foot with someone. Yeah, you're I'm walking both, down we're the sidewalk. We're both going right. We're both going left, and we're doing a dance. And so you're playing chicken at this point. What ends up happening is there's a, there's a a little bit of yelling from me, <laughs> like uh, uh, saying something. Like, no, just go. No, stop. He wants you. I, mm, yeah. I mean, I'm. <laughs> Basically embodying the process vocally as was. I wasn't helping. I'm sure I wasn't helping. <laughs> and Lincoln's in the back seat, just kind of smiling a little bit. Smiling. So uh, we get to the point where it kind of just looks like we're both just going to drive past each other. Oh, with like one wheel up on this dirt sort of embankment on the side. Now you've both that, stopped and started how many times at this point? Four to five. Ah, that's awkward, man. That's okay, it's okay to have one tire up on this embankment when you're in an FJ Cruiser, right? Uh, even though Locke was getting so far to the right that I thought he was gonna get high-centered or whatever, the tr- mm. when basically you get stuck 
and both wheels are on the, are, you know. And so I was like, you don't, stay left, you're getting too far to the right, you know. Slightly calmer than that. The other guy is doing the same thing. And we eventually get past him and then Locke gets back in the middle and goes and I kinda, and then I turn around and look and I'm like, I think that guy got stuck. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like he's in, he's not in a off-road vehicle and he doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And so I was like, Locke, I think that guy got stuck, stop. So Locke stops, I said, get out. I get in the, I get in the driver's seat, I put it in reverse I, and I back all the way up to this guy and sure enough, he's stuck. But not only is he stuck, but three additional vehicles in like a row, three guys who are on like an off-road trip have, have come out of the mountain. Same place you came from. Yeah, are now stopped and, and they're, out, they're out talking to this guy and then within like the time that I get out of my car, they start pushing him off and they get him off of the embankment and they help him. I get out of the I'm, car. I'm sure that guy said some nice things about what have about your vehicle? Well, and I walked up to him. I was like, "Hey, man, hey, listen, I got a." And I, I, even though Locke is sixteen, I kind I was like, "Hey, I got a fifteen-year-old <laughs> new driver. He's driving for the first time. Sorry about that." He's like, "Ah, no problem. They got me. It's it's great. Okay. It's it's fine. Whatever." So, um, so then I get back in the car. I drive a little bit. I'm like, "Well, we still have a lot of dirt road to go." And I'm like, "I stop and I, I was like, listen, okay, let's start over." You know, that was. Something you couldn't anticipate, you know. It was probably your fault. And uh, that was a difficult thing to navigate in your first driving experience. And I don't want you to, to be nervous and have like a bad taste in your mouth on your first driving experience. So listen, let's Let me stop. give you another bad experience. Let's recenter. I'm gonna calm down a little bit. You calm down a little bit because we were both yelling at each other. We have very similar personalities. <laughs> and let's switch. So, <laughs> so. We switch, Locke gets in the driver's seat, I get in the passenger seat, and the three guys who have helped the Subaru are now have come up behind us and stopped right behind us. So the lead car is right behind us. Mm -hmm. So Locke puts it into gear, presses the gas. Problem is, the gear that he chose was reverse. <laughs> <laughs> How much gas did he press? Enough. Oh. Enough Whoa. for me to yell again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man. The moment you, when you, I mean, anticipating going forward and finding yourself in reverse. And is knowing like, there's the guy right behind us. Yeah. I was like, lock, lock, lock. I think I just said his name three times. And uh, he ended up, uh, I don't know if he put it, if he just hit the brakes or he just moved it back into park. Either way, something, there was a grinding noise. Oh. Uh, from our car, we did not ram direct. I mean, how how, how awful would it have you been? Get? You didn't hit him. Several feet, which is close in a car, right? And uh, how awful would it have been for his, again, his first driving experience to be like running this guy off the road and then backing into a guy who helped him, <laughs> you know? <laughs> But after that, so at that point, what did you do? He said, "Dad, I don't want to drive anymore." I'm, you got. Like, I'm sorry. I got a. I got a 13 year old <laughs> driver here. He's getting younger by the with every mistake. Uh, and uh, I felt for him because I mean, 
what I thought was gonna happen was the same thing that happened as we as we drove in, which was no other cars, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on the way out, we have to run against this person coming at us, we got three guys behind us. So did you switch back at that point? Switch back and, okay. I, and I drove out. Drove out. And uh, we, he actually did not end up driving again. That wasn't by design, that was more related to what ended up happening, which we'll talk about next. Um, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, he, and I was waiting for you, and I was like, "Why are they not here yet?" He gave me permission to tell that story, and I was like, "Listen." And as we were driving out, we actually had a good conversation. I was like, "Listen, man, this kind of thing, this is this is why you do this, so you can have a story." I was like, this "Or is, so your dad can have a story." This is why you go. You, now I was you like, get a podcast one day. You can. No, have I was a story. like, "You've got your yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got your first driving story, right? And and second. And yeah, first and second all, all, all came two and for one. And you're safe, no one got hurt, we can have a laugh about it, you learn something, you move on. And we actually got to a good place. You catch up with us, I hear the story. Uh, and then we, we ended up driving all the way out of the valley to Beatty to refuel and then we knew there was a ghost town there that we kind of dropped in on a second, we ate some lunch, then we went in, we came back into the canyon on um, Titus Canyon which is um, one of the more popular drives but again that time of the year, not many, not that many people there. Uh, great drive. The the best drive. Like um, again, it's not, I would, it's not technical, it's just a little, it's best to have high clearance, but no problem at we all. We saw a van. guy. We we saw a guy in a Maxima. We did, and it's a it's a one way thing. So he, it's just do not recommend that. Do not. It, it's got a lot of washboarding. So this but is there like was a Maxima, you know, there. when like your car is kind of shaking as you go. But also saw a guy on a bike doing the whole thing. There's That's a nuts. there is this, and this is where I got the drone footage. I don't know. It probably won't be. I haven't looked at it. it probably won't be that impressive. But like as you come down out of the mountains and the canyon, like you're 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 on one of those like ice truck ice road truckers sort of roads, yeah. In which there's no obviously there's no guardrail, and there's just a sheer drop into a canyon on one side, and it's one lane wide, and that's exciting, right? I mean, that, we, we we had a good time, and then at the end you get into the slot canyon, amazing, where, where you're literally driving in a canyon. That the width of the car is the width of a road, and Wh with, with with straight the width stone of a single walls. lane of a road. Yeah, right. One way, and then you're and it's not just winding straight. back it and forth. It winds back and forth, so like you can never see more than like you know fifteen yards in front of you. And that's why it's one way because yep. you couldn't that bottleneck. Yeah. Ear biscuits is supported by Superfeet. Did you know that more than seventy-five percent of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only ten percent will seek out a solution for that pain? Well, guess what? Your feet don't have to hurt. When you add the signature orthotic shape of Superfeet insoles to your shoes, you give your feet comfort and support where they need it most, helping redistribute forces to reduce stress and strain on your entire body, not just your feet. Superfeet insoles are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. Since 1977, Superfeet has helped millions of people worldwide experience the life-changing magic of comfy, pain-free feet. Superfeet insoles upgrade the fit, feel, 
and function of your footwear to help you feel your best. The signature orthotic shape of Superfeet gives your feet the right type of support where you need it most. Physicians not only recommend Superfeet to their patients, they wear Superfeet insoles in their own shoes. Superfeet is the number one doctor worn and recommended insole. Superfeet has thousands of five star reviews and is the insole of choice for top athletes on the field, on the ice, and on the slopes, and everywhere in between. Superfeet has a wide range of insoles for every activity, every shoe, and every foot. From cushioned and flexible to firm and supportive, you can dial in your fit by taking their quick online quiz. We took the quiz, we've got our, mm -hmm. our insoles coming, they're on their way. You just answer a few short questions and Superfeet will recommend the best insole choice for you. Visit superfeet.com and enter the promo code EAR at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. So we go through that and you know, it was, it was really cool to go with the boys and have these experiences like, for the first part of that trip, Lando actually was asleep in the back. I don't know how he did it. It was so bumpy. Well, we were we were worried, you know. Yeah, because and, and, and like there was a couple places where Lot would be like, "Dad, Dad, you like you sure about this?" Because it it it's, it freaks you out because uh, you're like, well, if if, if a rock falls or if you lo if you if you don't oh, if you reach down and change the radio station, if you got a radio station at that point, then you could careen off. The all side systems of the thing. are online when you are, are are doing this. And Lincoln was like, I don't know how Lando's doing. That's a good point. Yeah. He, well, he was sleeping. He was that's sleeping. The, that's the miracle of it all. So Shep is. I got Shep to sit in the front seat with me, and like I'm like, you like Steely Dan? Cause I know, you know, I you, you've, been, you've been training him on on what to listen to. He didn't know them by name, but like we we're listening to some some Dan, you know. It's like I, I I really feel like we had this kind of a uncle moment, you know. It's like it was cool for all of us to hang out and and yeah. you know, uh, incidentally, Lincoln told me about uh, sleeping over at the house with, with Locke subsequent to this trip. Mm -hmm. And I was like, everything he told me that he did, he was like, well, me and Locke and Rhett, we ate this, and then me and Locke and Rhett, we watched a movie, and me and Locke, I was like, it sounds like you were hanging out with <laughs> Locke and Rhett the whole time, man. I, I felt a little threatened, I was like, you know what, this is this is good uncle vibes. We watched, we watched uh, uh, just a heinous horror movie. He told me. Yeah. But but it's um you know I just I I think those t that trip really fostered like an extended family type of connection and it was you know uh, that's just the magic of camping is that you find yourself around a campfire and you can over glamorize it and trust me there's a lot of stuff that, the majority of the time is not glamorized but then you find those moments that you can kind of hold on to like the Steely Dan moment when it's like this amazing view and seeing you I mean you guys were way ahead of us we kind of and then you had the drone by the time we caught up well and then you just stop at this like a, a ghost town, there was a, a, a place called Leadfield, which is just a place that sprung up when they thought they were gonna be mining lead, lead. and it turns out that the place had a post office for like 11 months, and 300 people lived there, and you see, and they've got the pictures out there of what it used to look like, and there's still like three buildings standing that you can kind of walk around and. And the mines are closed. The off. mines are closed, but you can walk up to them and look in, and they've got them kind of like yeah, super cool. marked off. And the kids, the kids were really into this, and like us talking about like what would it have been like to be out here 120 years ago? Yeah, it's mining lead. You know, I mean, we come back and we're like telling all these stories, and Lily's like, oh, I kind of wish, kind of wish I would have gone. And I was like, girl, you can go next time. But it was it was cool for her to say that out loud, you know, it's like. She was definitely not down. She Yeah, she wasn't interested, and, she, and I mean, her and Christy were hanging out and it was it was good for them, but. So we leave Leadfield and like, 
again, it's like you go through that slot canyon at the end of that trip and then you're like, man, the, we're, we're chasing daylight here. We gotta find a place to, um, to camp for the night. And again, we didn't wanna be in the middle of the valley where there's, it's kind, there are some like pockets of civilization, like a gas station and a campground and um, one hotel with like a bunch of palm trees, which I would is say, so super strange. I would say a resort. A res yeah, a resort, it's strange. It's like super nice. The only one they let in there to develop or maybe the only people willing to do it or and to keep it up. Yeah. But anyway, we actually drive past that and you had found on the map, like if we go up this this canyon called Echo Canyon, we start going up that on like that um, high clearance road. A lot, of, a lot of people camp in there and there was a truck in front of us that was going so slow and like he let us go by and then I'm like, man, I am, we've been driving all day. My shoulders are sore, I am exhausted. I just feel like I can't steer this thing anymore. Um, I, I'm feeling every bump in the road. It's like, I'm glad we're almost to finding a campsite. And with with every every rock we hit and every turn we tried to make, I was like, man, this is, if I didn't know better, this this feels like, when I went, my, my first pickup truck, a 1987 Nissan pickup had no power steering. Yeah. I was like, that's what this feels like. And then I was like, hold on. I think that might be what happened. But I, but I, we're also, we haven't, the thing we haven't talked about. And it's getting dark. We were talking on our walkie talkies. Yeah. Which I, that was, having a walkie talkie. Oh yeah. Being able to, hey big boy over. Like. Yep, little boy over. Talking back and forth to each other like, um, that's the way to go on an off-road trip like that. There was lots of checking in and also lots of walkie jokes. Walkie jokes, yeah. You know, walkie like, humor if is If you'll like, look to your left right now, you'll see a big pair of boobies, you know, things like yeah, that. It's just, just rocks, but. Um, yeah, yeah, you gotta make those kind of jokes when the boys are around. Just squint a little bit. Yeah, right. Uh, so you were, I say that because you were on the walk and you were like, I'm having trouble steering. Um, I'm tired. I think <laughs> I, I I think there might be something wrong with my power steering. And I'll be honest with you, when you said that, I was like, I just think I just think he just must be tired, and he's like, you know, it's I, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that brand new, super nice van. It's getting harder by the second to steer. It's getting darker by the second, and we, you know, we're having to pass all these people camping, and then we. Go up in a slot canyon. We go in a slot canyon because that's and we found this super cool oh, campsite. Man. And you hop out and I hop out and I'm like, man, I swear I've lost power steering. I'm losing power steering. And you look under the front and it's like it's it's something's leaking. It's wet under there. That's exactly what it is. And I'm like, it's a scary feeling when you're because we had gotten to the point where it's like we felt that isolation because that's where we like to camp. And it was just is there's this sinking feeling of this could get bad real quick, you know, cause it's like, it'd be so hard to get a vehicle in here, like a tow truck in here to get this thing out. And so I'm like, we we can't camp here. We gotta, I, I gotta get it. We gotta get this thing back out of here right now. If it's leaking power steering before it's all, before it's bone dry, which could potentially do damage to the vehicle, I, I gotta try to get this thing back out closer to civilization. So we turn right back around and go all the way back out. And by the time we got back out, I'm like hanging a right onto the the paved road. I'm like, it's I'm like trying with all of my might to turn the wheel to get this thing back. Cause this is not an 87 Nissan pickup truck. No, it's not. And this is um, a big vehicle. I mean, we, 
we drove back down into the valley into to a campground which said it was totally full. Furnace Creek Campground. And um, I wanna give a shout out to the uh, the, camp the rangers. Yeah. The park rangers who yeah. were at the camp. Because they, they were some mythical beasts. They were mythical beasts, yeah. But the night before we talked to like the guy who lives there permanently, older guy who was like, well, they didn't show up, you can stay in this reserve Lyle. slot. Lyle, love you Lyle. And then, so we're like, you know what? I can I can still camp in this thing for tonight. You know, I called the owners or texted the owners. I told them what was up. Uh, they were understanding and helped me problem solve in terms of like what we're going to do with this thing. They said, "Well, since you're situated, we have to find out the next morning what the best course of action is in calling like the roadside assistance." And we get up the so that that night was. Um, you know, we were actually, we were able to have an actual fire there with like, not with the propane we went to, fire. But I, I went to the fancy general store, um, which was like kind of at a little like outdoor mall resort kind of situation in the middle of the desert to get this uh, firewood that cost me um, $13 a bundle. <laughs> and I got three bundles. We had a good, some expensive wood. We had a good night that night. Um, the next day we find out that no, they can't come out and fix it. This is such a new vehicle, they're gonna have to come tow it to the nearest place, which is Las Vegas. And can I say that we, you know, you talked about uh, our non-prowess when it comes to diagnosing vehicular problems, but I say between the two of us. We were right about that. We, and we, we thought what had happened was mm -hmm. is that the hose to the pump had completely come loose based on the spray pattern. Oh, of the, forensics. Of the, uh, of the uh, power steering fluid and it turns out that's exactly what had happened to the car. Uh, I'll fast forward to when I'm like, well so we, we arranged for the tow truck to come and then the owner said, we're just gonna get him to tow it all the way back to Los Angeles. How, how Three and a half hours? From there it was four and a half hours. Four and a half hours. And they towed, the tow truck came from LA, picked it up and then went the four and a half hours back. And um, it couldn't be fixed because the clamp is a proprietary clamp that you found out very soon after that, that, that Mercedes people talk about it online. had in, uh, issued a recall. Well that's what I found out weeks later. So just to close that loop, okay. yeah whenever I was returning stuff to the owner that I'd taken out of the van. She was like, "I got, I just got the notice today, the recall for them to fix that." So, I, you know, I know I didn't do anything inappropriate, but it it made me feel better that like, hey, this is a Mercedes problem, not a a link problem. A link problem. Yeah. Um, but that took most of our day because we had to drive all the way out to. You had to drive me out to the nearest uh, place to rent a car all the way out of the valley and bring rent a minivan, bring it all the way in. And so we kind of lost a day. But Significant downgrade in how cool you seemed the rest of the trip. Yeah. You went from having a van that was so big. Hashtag van life goes to hashtag minivan life. Yeah. Totally different the life. The minivan life was not, you know, I, I didn't want to be in pictures with you and your minivan anymore. I took a picture of the uh, Sprinter Veen being loaded up on the, on the record. I got that on video too. Oh cool, drone footage? No drone, but I got that on video. <laughs> I wanna see that, that's cool. Um, last story, but we, had a, yeah, we, we had, gotta we, tell. We had enough time. We all hopped in the minivan as as the sun was setting and we drove to this one canyon called, it was called like Sunset Canyon or something like that. 
And we're, we knew it was gonna get dark, but that didn't mean, that meant I grabbed a jacket, but it didn't mean that I grabbed um, flashlights or headlamps or anything, because we did not do that. Right, but as it was getting dark, it was clear, and me and Locke were actually, we kinda got up ahead of you guys, and, it was, and we were walking ahead of everybody, and uh, again, it was this crazy canyon that's got this like chalky white rock that's almost like dirt meets rock, like dirt that hasn't yet become rock, so sedimentary uh, rock that is still very sedimenty, right? And, and a lot of people are walking out as we're walking in up into this basically another slot canyon. But you could see that the moon was gonna be bright and actually as the sun was going down and the moon was coming up, you could already see your moon shadow. Pretty crazy. And I was like, Pretty oh this stark. is gonna be fine, like we don't need, we don't need lights, let's just keep going. I, I will say when it was all said and done, I'm like Lando, what was your favorite thing? He was like the night hike. Because at a certain point we started calling this, all right guys, this is the night hike. We're doing it, you know? Um, and we went in a few miles, you get all the way to like, you get up against this like sheer mountain faces, they call it like the cathedral. The red, the red cathedral, cathedral, yeah. Yeah, this red um, rock wall. And you and Locke had gotten a, a lot further ahead. As a matter of fact, I had convinced myself that you guys were gonna try to scare the crap out of us. And I was not that happy about that. But when we got to the cathedral. You and Locke? Yeah, so we got to the end of the end of the line and like there was a cave you had to walk through like to get to the final end of the trail and we could hear, this is so weird, we could hear you guys talking to each other. Crisp? Like I could make out the words that you were saying. And so I wanted to make sure that you were gonna come all the way and you weren't gonna turn around. Mm -hmm. And so we, I was like, Link! And I, I yelled as loud as I could. Didn't hear anything. No response. But you could hear me like there was just talking normally. There was some acoustic issue where I couldn't get my voice to go to you. And I think it might be because you were in this little like cave thing and it was coming out of the cave but I couldn't get my voice to go into the cave. Rhett, no one will ever know. Acoustic, it's a, it's, it's a mystery. It's an acoustic mystery. It's an acoustic mystery. That keeps me up. That keeps you up. At night, you're thinking about it. But then you finally show up. And it's pretty cool because it, at this point, it kind of, you go into the, the sheer wall of the cathedral and then you kind of double back and kind of go, go up this um, like pyramid of dirt to like this ridge that then we started taking pictures oh, of the kids. I took a silhouette picture of the kids. By the, by the moonlight and it was super cool. And so I'm down below, you're up a little bit ahead of me um, taking a picture of all of the boys up there on the ridge. And then we take the pictures and we're like, all right, let's start heading back down. And just as we start heading back down, there's some sort of, uh, there's, there's a little bit of a kerfuffle. Like there's something going on. There's like some shimmying happening and some grunting as people are coming down, uh, start to come down. And the first thing that I hear said is, um, I could tell people were concerned. And Lando says, please, nobody say any bad words. <laughs> and so I'm like, Oh, okay, what has happened? Well, apparently he had picked up on a pattern, uh, which is if things went wrong, there were bad words that were said. And that- <laughs> Please, nobody say any bad so words. That upset him. I was like, what's happened? Um, 
it turns out what had happened was Shepard, uh, who, let me just go on record and say that Shepard is actually, has a, a great track record with keeping up with his phone, not so much with my other son, uh, but great track record of keeping up with his phone and not, not losing things. But Shepard had dropped his relatively new phone that had proceeded to slide down this cliff side. That was probably, it, I mean, we're talking like a 45 degree angle yeah. that just kind of went down into the lower part of the Red Cathedral. Uh, which was a dark abyss, really. And we could not see anything and even when we shined our phone lights onto the slope, we were like, there's no way that we're gonna find this. But it felt like the phone has gotta be right there. And so. Did you say any bad words? I didn't say any bad words because Lando said not to. Mm, I don't think oh, no. that's true. No, I said one. What did I say? I said. I think what after after looking for about 15 minutes and like crab walking down that 45 degree slope and kind of feeling like you don't know what you could tumble into, you kind, you kind of started getting a little bit more grouchy. Well, here's the thing. Um, and I'd walk down below, cause I was down at the bottom and you were up at the top and the phone was somewhere in the middle. As I was walking down this cliffside, I was thinking to myself, am I going to die trying to find my kid's phone and this is he's he's never going to forgive himself like is he going to watch his is he going to watch his dad tumble off this cliff uh, in the moonlight and yeah, be like yeah. ah, my dad's dead because yeah. i dropped my phone so that's when i started to joke with them about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah again lando you know it, uh, lando didn't like that yeah because i was like all right shepherd here i am going to find your phone this might be the last time we talk <laughs> <laughs> you say you're, you're twisted man. yeah i'm a little twisted scaring the crap out of children but i also felt like i wasn't gonna die and i also it wasn't dismembering birds it wasn't Who are you it wasn't that was my brother and it wasn't like at the end of the cliff it just dropped off to nothingness it was just the trail so i was like right at worst i'll just be badly injured right well you're not going to fall into oblivion you're going right. to fall to the trail that where i'm standing but i would as you know i'm scared of heights i was trying to overcome that and not let anybody know uh, but eventually I was like, I can't see this phone and I'm afraid that I can't, if I if I get to a place where I can't get back up, then we're gonna be like calling in the chopper, you know, assuming there is one. And so come back up, we go around to the bottom and we get down there and Shepard, of course, is already climbing up the cliff to try to get his phone. He might be addicted to screens. That might be what was driving him. Mm. Uh, he's way up there and I'm a little worried about him and then I'm like, well, I gotta go up there too. So I went up there and five minutes passed, we, I ended up finding the phone. I was able to spot it with my light and we got it. And uh, we got out with only one, maybe two curse words said and no injuries. Yeah, Lando was cool with that. He still said, that's, that's the end of that story. He still said, my favorite thing was the night hike. So you, oh. you didn't ruin it for him. Good. Completely. But uh, yeah, that's the catchphrase now. If, if, if anything wrong happens, first thing you need to say is, okay, please, nobody say any bad words. <laughs> no matter, uh, I'm about to tell you something you're not gonna wanna hear, just don't say any bad words. It ended up being an incredible trip. I'm 
so glad I yeah we're saying that it was your idea. I'm so glad you had that idea. Um, I wish we uh, had had already done it more. You know, now that their kids are the age oh. that they are. Um, but and they'll, wa- they'll want to go next time. Here's that's the thing. The, that's the good news. Is that before we went on that trip. I think in Locke's mind it was like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do this again. But by the end, he was talking about how good of a time he had had, how much he liked being out in nature. And then on the way back, you know, I drove Locke and Lincoln, and I let them be my DJ. <laughs> and uh, boy, the musical uh, journey that we went on <laughs> that started in sort of dad music territory, John Mayer, et cetera, uh-huh. slowly started kind of getting into uh, some some hip hop that, that I enjoy, then began to transition into uh, maybe some modern hip hop uh, a la <laughs> 21 Savage. <laughs> and uh, I- Talk I, about I, bad words. <laughs> <laughs> we made up. For all the bad words that we had uh, held back in the presence of Lando, we we went well over the limit. If you include what the artist, if you including what the, if you include what the artist said in the last when hour of our trip, my van did not have the capability to connect to my phone, and most of the time oh, I did. I'm about to say that Mercedes, but I forgot. No, yeah, you were not. I'm in a dodge. minivan at this point. It did not connect to my phone, um, and we. We hardly had any radio stations, so the only thing I listened to was how bad my kids and your kids' feet smelled. Yeah, like yeah. we had to pull over so they could get you. You know, Shepard was wearing shoes with no socks, and then and I was like, he'll, "Then he'll take his shoes off when he gets in the car." Yeah, and I'm you like, "Can't let him do that." I'm like, "Man, you got to We had to pull over so you could go up to your car, pull out that drawer, and get some socks out of. It's it. like a biohazard. We had a great trip. Um, it's our privilege to have shared it with you. On this ear biscuit, and a great way to kick off the year. You know, it's just it's just a good thing to to build on. You know, is that we can be outdoors. I, I still don't know what I want to do about the van. Like, if there's a van in my future, uh, I think I'm just going to stay on the rental front because this kind of scared me a little bit. Like something that drastic that required that much towing. Like, I just I think it was nice to rent it. And I not think be the rental. I think the rental is nice. Yeah. Is the way to go for one of those? Yeah, it's not that hard. That's to load what I'm your leaning towards at this point, and uh, it was a good trip, man. And next week we will talk about uh, assuming. It seems like every time um, we go somewhere or there, there's a break, there's stories to tell. So we're, we're going to talk about uh, the holiday, uh, the holiday break, whatever next came week. from that. Yeah, I, I'm assuming that we'll talk about that, but. Hashtag ear biscuits. Let us know uh, if you if you want to weigh in on any of this. Oh, and I got a if I got a, a I got a recommendation. We can, yeah, first wreck of twenty twenty one. New year, new wreck. Um, I found this series on HBO Max. Forgive me if you don't have HBO Max, but uh, it's just you know just another reason to get it. Um, Calm is this is is one of the apps that yeah. does meditations, but they have a series. Do you know about this series no. on HBO? It's called a, a World of Calm, and um, let's see, there's a number of episodes, but it's uh, basically, it's reminiscent of 
like the the calming nature of watching primitive technology on YouTube, you're just watching somebody in a process, they have a more meditative, it's much more edited and produced version of that. It's like a, it's the most calming documentary that you could watch, like intentionally calming documentary. I've only watched one episode. Um, Give me an example. The episode I watched is called Living Among the Trees, narrated by Keanu Reeves. Oh. And it is a guy who takes one felled tree and turns it into a canoe. So like a like a a single tree hull canoe. Mm. And it's you just you know he doesn't talk. There's no interviews. It's just like calming music and footage of him narrated by Keanu of him making a canoe. How old? I mean, how long is this? Um, this episode is it's 23 minutes long. So it's super cool to watch. Uh, that's the only one I've watched. There's uh, one about Snowfall, The Bird's Journey, narrated by Nicole Kidman. I mean, this sounds like I'm giving an ad, but it's just a really cool idea. Well, HBO Max has been a sponsor. Yeah, that's right. The Coral City, narrated by Lucy Liu, is episode one. Glassmaker by Zoe Kravitz, narrated by. The Great Beyond, narrated by Idris Elba. Now, this is a good idea. Yeah, this is, this is super cool. Ooh, A Horse's Tale. Uh-oh. Like T A L E. Who does that one? Kate Winslet. Oh my! The Gift of Chocolate. Dang! There's so there's ten episodes on this thing. World to Come. Check it out. Like it's it's nice to have to be able to watch something that like kind of feeds your soul and gives you rest and doesn't just distract you, but it's just a meditative experience. I need to watch that before I help my son drive. There you go, man. Or maybe after. Or during. <laughs> All right, we'll speak at you next week.